Welcome back to another episode of Cyberstar Talks podcast. I am Iona. As always, I am so thrilled you're spending your precious time with me and my honored guest. Today, we have a truly exceptional guest joining us. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm thrilled to welcome Dr. Jordan Plotnack. Jordan is an Air Force veteran in Australia and a cybersecurity senior lecturer at the University of South Australia. In addition, he's a lead partner for critical infrastructure at Ankoram Consulting and space sector lead for CISEC. Jordan is sought after for his cutting-edge research and mission-focused advice on the cyber risk and resilience of critical and classified systems. He's a system engineer with a PhD in space systems resilience and regularly publishes paper on critical infrastructure protection. Over the past decade, Jordan has served in senior cybersecurity positions on projects worth over 40 billion euros for aerospace, defense, utilities, transportation, and mining organizations in Australasia, Canada, Europe, and Middle East. With a career spanning in Air Force, industry, and academia, he brings a wealth of knowledge and experience to our discussions today. Jordan, it's a honor to have you here. Hi, thank you. It's, it's a pleasure to be here. Today, we are digging into a topic that sounds like straight out of a movie, but it's super important and relevant. I'll put it simple. Can airplanes be hacked? I mean, with the increasing complexity of airline systems, how realistic is the threat of remote hijacking of an aircraft? Yeah, well, I, I think, um, you know, it, it is a scary thought, but I think that that's, it, it's a pretty extreme example. And you know, th there's a lot. There's a lot to dig into that question, but um, I guess at the face value, a remote hijacking of an aircraft is. Um, I like to think that it's not possible, but in reality, it's probably just uh, very difficult. <laughs> Why do you think it is very difficult? Because hackers need a physical access to 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 the airplanes, or is there any redundancy which sort of mitigates the risk? Yeah, so there are a few reasons, but um, the the number one thing is uh, in the vast majority of aircraft, I'd like to say all, except there's one exception, which I'll get to in a sec, but ev every other aircraft, um, they have a separation of the flight controls from, from other systems in the aircraft. Um, so even if you've got fly-by-wire, it's called, which is when you have, um, you know, computer-aided uh, or computer-directed control of the aircraft, um, those systems are very isolated from everything else. Um, so it's it's extremely, uh, in fact, it's impossible to hack into it from the main part of the aircraft. Um, however, there have been two potential cases uh, where they've kind of proved that it may be possible. One was in, uh, in 2017, uh, where a, a government team in, in the US revealed that they were able to uh, remotely hack a Boeing 757 um, without oh, any wow. physical contact. <laughs> yeah, and they, they did this on the, it was on the tarmac, so it wasn't in the air, um, but they they did it by exploiting the, the RF communications. However, the details of that were very promptly classified. So of course. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> as I guess we'd want it to be. Um, but from what I can understand, uh, it, it seemed to be some, some form of spoofing. I don't know... Um, 
I would be very surprised if they were able to actually con- take control from that. But there, there is another example, which is a phone app actually that was created by a pilot programmer. Um, and the phone app is called Planesploit. Um, and he claims that it can be used to take control of any aircraft. And I've tried to look into this and I, uh, to my knowledge, this hasn't been validated, but uh, it's still scary that there's someone out there claiming that it can be done. Absolutely. And uh, Mm. earlier this year, I think it was September, the aviation world was put on on a high alert due to a GPS interference incident, which happened in Middle East. We Mm. have never seen commercial aircrafts captured by GPS spoofing before, have we? Oh, yeah, not to this scale, that's for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Of course, while specific technical details uh, about such operations are often classified, and also kept confidential for security reasons, we can still discuss in general the methods the hackers leverage to disrupt GPS um, and the potential impact such incidents can have. So what is your take on this? How did the uh, attackers manage to change the plane's GPS and what, what's the impact? Yeah, so GPS um, spoofing is a um, it's a very interesting problem, and and it affects a lot of different industries, and of course the aviation industry as well. And and actually the Middle East, it has been very interesting this year. Um, since since August this year, there have been over fifty reports coming out of the Middle East claiming that um, cyber attacks have altered the plane's in-flight GPS, um, which has led to critical navigation failures on board the aircraft. And one of the claims that have been coming out of this is is particularly um, new. Uh, you know, it hasn't happened before, which is uh, that the inertial reference system or the IRS, which is sometimes referred to as the brains of a of a um, an aircraft, those have been attacked and 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 um, reportedly have been hacked and altered, which was previously thought to be impossible. So that particular hack uh, has, yeah, that that's unprecedented. And honestly, we don't we don't really know how to solve it at this point in time. But there's there's a lot of research going into that at, at the moment. Um, and my understanding, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a pilot myself, but I, I have worked very heavily in, um, in, in aviation. And, and my understanding is that there are backup methods to continue the safety of a flight, even right. if you're, um, yeah, like if, even if you're disrupted in, in your navigation, um, uh, pilots are, are trained to be able to to uh, fly by sight and um, at the end of the day every aircraft you can swap into manual mode so even if you have lost integrity of your uh, your actual control systems um, you, you can swap into manual flight uh, so there are a couple of, of you know f- fail safes designed in into these systems in one report as per Forbes uh, the site says that the business jet crew en route from Europe to Dubai, uh, related that they lost both GPS navigation units aboard and the GPS signals to both pilot and co-pilot iPads. So that's that's really daunting. And I was I was mm. wondering why are these attacks happening right now and not before? Like, is there any relation with the recent developments in AI? Oh, that's an interesting one. Um, you know, I hadn't actually thought about its relation to AI. Um, I, I don't. I don't think it is, uh, although it's an interesting thought. Um, I think it's more, personally, I think it's more related to the geopolitical destabilization, mm-hmm. especially in, in that region, the Middle East region, which is where most of these 
incidents have been coming from. Um, so I think the incident that you're referring to was the aircraft that was the, the GPS was spoofed over Cairo airspace and right. it was falsely thought to be stationary for half an hour. Um, but there's also another one, a Gulfstream G650 uh, experienced a full navigation failure um, over Tel Aviv, um, and it was the plane had been oh, marked yes. about. Um, Absolutely, yeah, that had, hit headlines everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, no, that's right. Um, so there have been a few, and and um, you, you know, a lot of these attacks have been happening since uh, Hamas's attack on Israel on the 7th of October. Um, so. I think, um, you know, it hasn't just been the aviation industry as well. Uh, there, there have been all sorts of critical in industries and critical infrastructures all over the Middle East uh, being being hacked and uh, and being disrupted. So I, I think it's related to, um, you know, that there are a lot of criminal groups and um, politically motivated cyber actors uh, that are becoming more active in, in the region and, and just trying to cause general chaos. What are the most pressing cyber threats facing airlines today? And how are they evolving in the face of advancing technology? Yeah, the, there's, um, well, there's a lot to talk about, <laughs> as you can imagine. Uh, but I think um, probably a good way to to start thinking about this problem is is when we're thinking about aviation or when we're talking about aviation, uh, there, there are really three avenues that we need to think about. So the first one is the aircraft itself, um, which gets a lot of, uh, I guess, when you think of people's worst fears, you think of being in an aircraft and it being hacked. Absolutely. So um, it's, a, it's a really terrifying thought. Um, so that, that's definitely an avenue. But in, in my opinion, the aircraft is is by far the hardest thing to hack because it's um, the, the, you know, there are really strong restrictions. Um, there's only one aircraft, which I alluded to before, but the Boeing 787 Dreamliner was reported to have been designed without proper network segmentation between the Wi-Fi enabled passenger entertainment network and the actual control system. Mm -hmm. So, uh, besides the 787, every other aircraft, uh, has very strict, uh, segregation. So I think that that one is one of the more secure ones. However, the two other elements that we need to think about is air traffic control and mm -hmm. the airports themselves, which include your airport security and your booking systems and things like that. Um, and so when we're talking about the most pressing cyber threats, uh, to, to the airline industry, um, it's really the, the airports and the air traffic control that represent the points of, of heightened vulnerability compared to the aircraft itself. Um, and, and when you think about it, uh, if, if you, if you hack an aircraft, you can, uh, you can affect that one flight. Um, but if you get to air traffic control, then, you know, you can affect a number of different flights. And if you get to an airport, um, then you can affect the whole city. So there's, you know, there, there's a few moving parts, but I would say that, you know, despite these, these different issues, really the, the biggest threat is the classic data breach. Um, uh, yeah, that, yeah, you know, it's very common, especially compared to some of the more sinister attacks, but uh, data breaches are, are pretty common. You, you get passenger names and contact information and payment details. And it details. happens everywhere, basically. So the airlines will make yeah. no exception. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, that's right. Um, in fact, Boeing was um, uh, the the Lockbit ransomware gang uh, leaked Boeing data um, and, and Boeing refused to pay and, and good on them for not paying ransom because it's it's not good to pay ransom. And, exactly. you, and in fact, it's illegal in a lot of places. Um, but 
because of that, the data was leaked. Um, so yeah, it's that's definitely the biggest one. But there, there are other there are other things as well. So malware, um, um, as again everywhere, but uh, malware on flight management systems is is something that happens. And and I've actually seen it myself uh, once I was auditing an aircraft and um, I went in to the uh, to the cockpit and I was you know checking the computer systems in there. And it, and it actually had, uh, it was running an, an outdated version of Windows, <laughs> believe oh, it or oh. not. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I was surprised myself. Um, but that's, uh, yeah, it was Windows that was running this uh, flight system and uh, and it was outdated and, and it had actually been rendered inoperable by malware, which got onto there because um, one of the pilots, you, you know, they, they do these long flights and they need to keep themselves entertained. Uh, so they, um, one of the pilots downloaded some, uh you know legal movies and and right <laughs> yeah. so it was a human so, factor uh, yeah um <laughs> the weakest link absolutely but what yeah. is the impact of having a malware in the flight management system oh to be honest uh they couldn't even take off so <laughs> we uh it was just grounded and um and then we just reset the system and it was fine uh it, it wasn't a big deal but it meant that the the flight itself couldn't go ahead uh that the plane was stuck on the tarmac until we were able to do our checks and then after we were done then i had to get all the safety inspections um you know it's it's a very highly regulated industry and i'm thankful for that because even knowing all the things that i do i'm still able to fly <laughs> because i do trust the amount of um regulation around it if you are able to fly knowing all these things, so everybody else should be, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. I do think, um, you know, it's it's pretty, like the security is pretty good, but those classic ones are, are always something to watch out for. And and when we're talking about actual, you know, things that are unique to the aviation industry, there, there are other attacks. Um, like we talked about the spoofing um, and uh, there's not just GPS spoofing, but you can also um, you can spoof air traffic control signals to the aircraft, um, which can you know you can you can basically flood a um, air traffic control system with fake details of planes, and so you don't know which ones are real and which ones aren't, and and that can cause some chaos. Um, and uh, you can also spoof traffic. Uh, it's TCAS, uh, traffic alert and collision avoidance system um and the automatic dependent surveillance broadcast so th there's like a and there's a few others as well so spoofing is is a, is a problem with and, and sorry just to make it clear for your listeners spoofing is when you're giving fake details so fake coordinates or fake aircraft um on into the system what can be an impact of a gps spoofing can we say that uh, gps spoofing is actually remote controlling an aircraft yeah, like it's close, you know, and and I think I think when it's presented in the media, it is it is publicized as remote control of an aircraft. The reason why I debate that is because, um, you know, if you could actually remote control it, it means that the pilots have no no ability to do anything about it except for switching it into manual. Um, but when you're spoofing signals, it's it's almost a, a more difficult problem to solve because. The spoofing affects the humans in the loop um so you're you're changing the signals and the aircraft itself uh you know if it's on autopilot it can change direction and things like that um but usually you know the pilots would you'd expect them to notice that the aircraft is changing course unexpectedly um but what 
is difficult to do is if the signals that they're seeing are spoofed, then they may think that it's being altered because to avoid a collision, which doesn't exist um, in reality. And, and so if um, if the pilots are tricked, then um, yeah, it can be it can be a problem. But there there are other fail safes here too. Like pilots are are always uh, being handed over between air traffic control en route, um, so they've got communication to air traffic controllers as well, and they can confirm anything that they're seeing on their systems. And and so you know it'd have to be quite a, a an extensive attack to be able to get those two uh, you know the, the air traffic control of every air traffic controller along the way as well as the pilot systems to get them all to say the same incorrect information uh that's that's quite difficult so usually they would be able to figure it out by talking to the air traffic controllers and realizing that something's not quite right and then they can swap into into manual override and um and just fly the course is this called emergency intervention it may be. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure if it's considered okay. emergency, but honestly in an aviation setting, anything that doesn't go to plan, uh, you know, is an emergency. Be quite worrying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it, it, it might be an emergency. Uh, but to my understanding, I, I, I think it affects, it's not, it's not going to affect the safety as much as um, it will affect the the actual route um so you know it might take right. them longer or, or they might have to land at a, at a different airport um although talking about the middle east uh, you know it can be it can be a safety issue because if they're being rediverted and and they're near say a war zone um like a no-fly zone um then they may end up unwittingly going through a no-fly area where where it could put the aircraft in danger um but i'd say that that's a, a pretty extreme case could you mention some of the prominent vulnerabilities of the avionic CAN bus network? Mm. I, I mean, now let's talk about the physical part. How might these uh, vulnerabilities be exploited to gain unauthorized access to, to an aircraft? Yeah, so the avionics CAN bus is um, <laughs> unfortunately like every cyber physical system, pretty much. Um, there's no security built into it. Um, so there's no encryption, um, there's no authentication, there's no element of trust. Um, so everything being sent into CAN bus network, which, which, uh, by the way, the avionics CAN bus network, basically every, every avionics system plugs into, into this. So it's, it's the, the backbone of, of right. the aircraft communications, um, and it's all in clear text. <laughs> so, okay. you know, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it sounds very scary, um, and it definitely should not be that way. But uh, unfortunately, that's just how a lot of these systems are across industries. Um, so the the safety side of it is is that this system is it's actually uh, physically isolated. It's, it's in the cockpit of the aircraft, um, and you it's not connected to anything else. Uh, it, it, there's a um, there's a hard network segmentation, so it's not connected to any of the entertainment systems or anything like that um, so the only way to actually access this system is through physical access um, and you'd need to be in the cockpit of the of the aircraft to do so and if you're in the cockpit uh, then you know there's probably worse things that you could do than messing with the CAN bus. I assume that this is also physically restricted right? Yeah it, it's aircraft specific but yeah it, it is it's it's very much protected. It's a, it's a um you know it's sort of the holy grail. Um, so yeah, it, it's not a it's not an easy feat to to get to it. 
um and and even if if you do get to it then you know probably the worst thing that you could do is to send fake messages to the different avionics systems and and that can trick the aircraft to steer off course but yeah if you, like i said if you're in the cockpit then you could just take the actual uh controls yourself and fly it where you want it to go i think um as insecure as it is uh because of its physical security it 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 does become a, a difficult thing to do. And, and even if you're able to do it, I, I personally don't think the trade-off is worth it. Like if I was going to try to take down an aircraft, I'd rather just, you know, take, take the steering wheel. Um, but yeah. Makes sense. Totally. Mm. Jordan, how significant is the risk of the insider threats in airline cybersecurity? Could a disgruntled employee or an insider pose a serious threat to aircraft security systems? Yeah, absolutely. Um, inside a threat is is one of the biggest uh, issues in. I mean, it's not one of the biggest issues because it, it's not as common, but it's it's the most powerful of of malicious threats. So, in an aviation setting, um, an insider. I mean, if you think about it, imagine if a pilot was was an insider threat, and you know they they went through all their training and and they you know did everything right until right. they wanted to actually create an attack and and then they've actually got the aircraft you know they've been licensed and given the keys and <laughs> exactly um, it's all about access yeah. yeah absolutely um and same thing with air traffic control uh you know if, if they were compromised then they could be giving false directions and getting planes to do think steer off course or even potentially uh head into a collision zone so yeah an insider threat is a serious problem Uh, or it's a serious threat, I should say, um, but it, it's countered by, um, again, very strict regulation. So anyone working in, in the aviation industry uh, has to go through, uh, you know, rigorous criminal checks and, um, and there's behavioral checks and uh, to, to become an air traffic controller and to become a pilot is, is very intensive uh, training and you have to pass a huge amount of Uh, a huge amount of tests and uh, and screenings and and all these different things, so it can be difficult. Um, but there are weaker areas, uh, such as airport security, for example, um, which is a much lower bar to entry. Um, so, insider threat is is one of those it's one of those things that's it's very difficult to to deal with because it's someone that you've employed who has decided to do something bad, um, and and they hold a lot of power. In this case, I would assume that there's also a strict segregation of duties when it comes to access in the in the aviation systems, right? Yeah, no, that that's that's absolutely correct. Um, so when you're flying uh, in a commercial aircraft, there's always your two pilots uh, there, and and when you you've got air traffic controllers, uh, they're they're in a room with others, and uh, there's you know no one's allowed to have single access to a system, and um, so yeah, there, there are a lot of uh, redundancy measures, uh, but. Uh, a lot of them rely on on humans, so and and it's good <laughs> because when I think about AI taking over some jobs, I'll definitely not be in favor of um, <laughs> an aircraft being being uh, controlled by AI without human intervention. Absolutely not. No, that's that's right. There's something um, comforting about you know being a human. There's something comforting about having other humans right. uh, in in the loop because um, you know an AI doesn't have the same sense of humanity and and you know it can be tricked. Uh, so, yeah, I, I completely agree with you on that. And talking about artificial intelligence, how might 
AI change the way we protect airplanes from cyber attacks? Like in any other field, do you think AI can be a double-edged sword in this context? Mm. Yeah, I think um, I think any technology is a double-edged sword. To be honest, um, you know, even even the, from the coal from coal to the internet, uh, we've uh, you know they that comes with its good and bad. Um, but AI is you know it's one of those extremely powerful technologies. So uh, I think the the sharpness of that sword is 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 particularly uh, damaging. So I, I think um, on on the good side, there's a lot that can be done to help protect it. You know, there's a huge amount of AI innovation going on to try to increase the efficiency of uh, detection and response of, of cyber attacks. And, um, and, you know, it's quite promising because there's, when you look at humans who have to usually monitor these networks for intrusions, it's, it's a lot of just sitting there looking at lines of uh, network information coming through right. and trying to find something that stands out as different. And, you know, we've got some tools to aid, but uh, AI is, is much more efficient and effective at that, at, at noticing uh, anomalies. Um, so that's great. And, and that could definitely, definitely be applied to the, um, to the aviation industry. And it reacts um, but, faster, right? Faster than humans. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It can it can detect uh, a trend and 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 proactively uh, respond. So um, that's great. But on the flip side, uh, you know, the double edged sword. Uh, it also increases the efficiency of the attackers. Absolutely. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if um, if you've tried this, but but I have uh, on ChatGPT. You can actually get it to write malware for you. <laughs> so. I think as as much as it's going to improve our defenses, uh, I think it will equally improve the attacks. Uh, so uh, at least the way that I see cyber in general, it's it's kind of like the nuclear standoff. Uh, I think we're just the the attackers get better than the defenders get better than the attackers get better than the defenders get better. And it's this never ending dance until everyone's too powerful to to be too scared to do anything about it. Spot on. Um, <laughs> uh, Jordan, in your opinion, what are the potential consequences of a successful large-scale cyber attack on the aviation industry? And how prepared are we to handle such a scenario? Um, honestly, when I think of large-scale cyber attacks, I, I think of um, attacks against the airports, um, especially the, the current geopolitical climate. Um, and, and, you know, there's a lot of rise in um, terrorism, for example. Terrorism uh, is an interesting one in particular because it's not necessarily about causing the impact, it's about causing the fear um, of impact. So, so when we're thinking large scale, um, you know, it, it's, you can't get much larger scale than getting into the psyche of the population. Um, and, and that's why these things are, are so scary. And, and I think a lot of people are too scared to touch on the topic because, um, you know, you don't want to be stoking fear because that's the the goal of a lot of these attackers so um when i think about a large-scale cyber attack i i imagine a, an attack against the the actual uh, airport systems which would be targeted to a, a geography so my my thinking is a large-scale attack would be against something like your uh, even if it's just flight booking you wouldn't even think about the flight booking systems most people don't and so it's probably one of the less secured areas but 
you attack the flight booking system and all of the aircraft on the, from the airport are grounded. Like no one can do the flying anymore because you don't know the passengers. And, and then you end up with this chaos and the airport's overflowing right. and people are freaking out. And then it comes out that it's a terrorist attack. And then, you know, the media will go crazy about it. And then suddenly you've got the whole country in fear. Um, so that's in my mind, that would be a, a very consequential attack, but, yeah, obviously, if someone does ever manage to get into a, uh, to to take down an aircraft, then that's going to be extremely damaging. But I I feel confident that that's not possible um, with the way that we've engineered these systems. So, considering that the cybersecurity standards differ widely between countries, how does this affect international flights with regard to cyber threats? Would implementing a global standard for aviation cybersecurity be beneficial in ensuring this consistent protection worldwide? There's definitely some challenges. So you've got, for example, big cities will have much better prepared airports than regional um, airports, uh, which have much uh, fewer resources right. and um, and you know much less allocated to to security. And, and then when you go into um, regions of the world which are less economically developed than others, then you know they face similar challenges where they may not have the the ability to put the same protections that that we do in in other areas. So there is some concern for that. Um, however, there is the International Civil Aviation Organization, um, the ICAO, and that's a UN organization that's responsible for international aviation measures and standards. And they do actually have a, a cybersecurity strategy and, and some other good resources on their site that helps to enable international cooperation um, on things like governance, legislation, policies, information sharing, and incident management. So they do a pretty good job. And and when I think of cyber issues, you know, in, in air traffic control, I think the main thing to consider is that when you're flying along a route, you'll be hand the, the pilots and the plane itself will be handed across to many different air traffic controllers along the way. Um, so if one of them are having difficulties, then they can switch to another um, or they can fly by site until they get to the next checkpoint. I think it will have, I, I, I don't know how much it affects flight safety as much as it affects uh, just efficiency. I was also like uh, trying to uh, steer this conversation to the efficiency because inconsistent standards can make it difficult to share threat information and respond effectively. So in the in the event of a cyber incident, a coordinated international response might be hampered by differing protocols and standards. Yeah, no, that's very true. And and honestly, I uh, I think that that is unfortunately the case for for most of our critical systems. So we, we do have some threat sharing groups uh, like ISACs, um, the information sharing and analysis centers that have sort of popped up around the world and they aim at sharing cyber threat intelligence. But it does become tricky when you're talking about things that are global, like your uh, aviation network and, and also like your space systems, uh, which shares the same frustrations when it comes to policies and, and security you need all of these countries to agree and to work together um, and at the end of the day you've got uh, like many of these countries are at war with each other um, or at the very least don't like each other um, and, and they're not willing to share information and perhaps one of them got hacked by one of the others so um, you know it does become a, a challenging task but 
at the end of the day, it's in everyone's interest, it, no matter which country you're from, no one wants their flight systems to be hacked. So every single government is, uh, is going to be making sure that it's, it's safe because otherwise they also can't fly. Fair enough. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jordan. Your insights and stories have been incredibly enlightening and not just for me, but I'm sure for all our listeners out there. So thank you again for sharing your expertise and experiences with us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. This has been fun. Thank you for listening to Cyberstar Talks podcast. If you like what you heard, please follow us, leave a review and tune in monthly for the upcoming episodes.